to Tea and Tales, the podcast where we drink a lot of tea and talk about some of our favorite tales. I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. And apparently and we're, we're less not, excited than Emily. We have no topic for today. I am ready. No, today's topic is all about <laughs> summer. Summer. <laughs> Summer love. No, I that's what that was in my brain before we were doing this. Uh, Add me yeah. a no. <laughs> Add me a no. Our tea today is strawberry orange sunrise from Talira. Because sun. Yeah. No, I love this company. Very reasonable tea, excellent herbal tea blends. And the cool thing is on their website, it'll tell you the origin of all the tea. So, like, it'll be like, Germany is where this tea comes from. Or in like, I had never seen, like, Germany as a featured tea location. So where are we from? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Sunshine Rise. Mm. Strawberry Orange Sunrise. Did you say Sunshine Rise? I what did. is that? I am making um, my own origin. Despite the fact that it has orange in the title, it's really quite a red color. Um, it it's- has apple, hibiscus, lemongrass, orange, and strawberry. That's the yeah. title. It's okay if you can't find it. We'll be waiting with bated breath. Let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Strawberry orange sunrise is a lot a lively tea blend of oranges, strawberries, hibiscus, apple, and lemongrass. Where does it tell you where it's from? <laughs> I love how there's a <laughs> I just said all that. Listen, it's really good. Um it it's, it's got a really good aroma. It's got a good it has taste. no caffeine, which is kind of a bummer, but anyway. Not Sense. right now. We're recording this at night. It's from Germany. There we go. Okay. See? I did. Featured tea, Erica. I, I try. <laughs> well, so before we get to our summer tales, I thought we would play a little bit of a game. It's not really a game, but all I could think of to round table. I know, because, like, what so, are we going to round table for? I got you, guys. I got you. So I'm stealing this from a television show. The show is called Highly Questionable. I'm sure neither of you have watched it because it nope. is a sports show. I have But the, what they do, it's not just sports, and it originated with, um, it used to be two of these reporters, and then his father, who was um, uh, primarily a Spanish speaker, but he he did speak English on the show, but they would call it see si or no, and it was <laughs> something ridiculous, like, are you interested in watching this, or are you interested in reading this? Okay. And so, every time they'd be like, nah, I'm not interested, or yeah, and then he, every time, the dad goes, see, si, see, si, and he would say a funny reason as to why he's si, interested. Si, because the thing So, because we are not Spanish speakers, we're gonna just do yes or no. Or you could do see, si, I guess, if you're so inclined. Um, so, I have movies, books, and games coming out and you can just say yes or no mm-hmm. or give a reason or okay. if you feel very passionately about it I'm so ready go for it so we are going to start with a movie coming out from Marvel which is Black Widow mm. sure C yeah C alright I won't go out of my way to watch it fair I am actually excited because I feel like it's going to be like female strong for mm-hmm. leads so I am excited about that alright Emily's Emily's excited. I'm not a Marvel person, but like you know. Can I change my C to neutral? No. Yes or no? Okay. Yes. There's no neutral card in this <laughs> fake show that we are doing okay. based on a real show that makes money. F nine, the ninth one of the Fast and no. Furious. No. Uh, Disney's Jungle Cruise, Emily. No? I don't even know what that is. No. It is based on the ride, and I believe it's Emily no. Blunt the and did not The Rock. Good. I saw yeah. the, ad, the what do you call it, trailer for it, and mm. it's isn't it The Rock? Yeah, it's it The Rock and like Emily Blunt is great. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be I love both of them, but I don't think I love them enough to watch for, like, that. like, a 12-year-old. Yeah, but, like, or even, like, an 8-year-old. why based the movie off a ride? Um, 
Pirates of the Caribbean? Mm. The Hunted Mansion? How about the remake of Candyman, the horror movie? Sure. Sure. Yes. C. C. Hi. That's yes in Japanese. Okay. Hi. Uh, Quiet Place 2. Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, We talked about Tom Cruise in our Mission Impossible Spies. How about Top Gun Maverick? Sure. I mean, I don't feel strongly against it enough to say no. Did you see the first one? No. No. Mm -hmm. Oh, you should watch the first one. It's delightfully 80s. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) And then I have one more for movies, which is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. 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 I don't know anything about it. I believe it's back with the original crew-ish. Although one of them, the actors, if not two of them, has died. They should have all six of the main, or all eight, or whatever. Well, probably six for who is alive. Seven? Uh-huh. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I'd be down. Like a... I want another... A second Girls Ghostbuster movie. Yeah. Because they're yeah. so funny. They I just are. love the wonton suit where he, the first one he brings only has one. And then the <laughs> second one has, like, nothing but wontons. <laughs> She's like, come on, we gotta get the ratio I right. think that, like... Just, it was so much backlash from angry Twitter boys <laughs> that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't care. I know, but I liked it, too. Women like I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I liked it, too, but I'm just saying I don't think it's going to Why do angry Twitter boys get to decide yeah. what movies get made? Ooh, yeah. No, because they're stupid. angry Twitter boys. Get out of here. Tweet at and Tales 1. That's right. That's what. How about games? This one just came out. Uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. No. Nah. No. I did play Mario Tennis as a kid, and it was fun, but I don't really care for Mario sport games. Yeah, fair. I just am bad at Mario games, honestly. Mm-hmm. Not named card. Um, Scarlet Nexus. First, you know what it is. No. No. All right. Scarlet Nexus is an action RPG with an anime design and is called a brain punk game by yes. Bandai Namco. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. It changed my mind. Is it Switch? Cool. PS4, Xbox, PC. Okay. No Switch as of yet. That's all right. Okay. How about the re-release with brand new graphics for Zelda Skyward Sword on the Switch? Sure. (laughs) Probably get that. So, yes. Did you play the original when it was on the Wii? Mm Mm-mm. No. I've never played a Zelda game, which I Breath of you the Wild is great. You I just, I it's just one a thing I haven't done. I, we have it. Zach's played it. Oh, okay. I, you know that that makes sense. It's fun. You just have to kind of get into it. Yeah, you have to sit down and actually play it. That's actually how like practicing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the next one is Humankind. It's just for PC. Do either of you know what this one is? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, known for their endless space series of turn-based strategy games, Sega owned. Studio, uh, Amplitude Studios is now introducing another turn-based strategy game with Humankind. This one is set across six different eras of time where you get to control various civilizations similar to the Civilization series. Following oh. multiple betas and demos, Humankind was delayed from April, but it <laughs> might actually happen. Um, probably not. Probably not. I did not do well with Civilization. I know you didn't like it. I do like turn-based, so I'm interested in what it'll be. I think I need more information. But it I'll looks say, a lot like Civilization. I'll say yes. Oh, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. So, yes, then, for me. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always looking for a good turn-based combat. <laughs> <laughs> or just turn-based anything. turn-based You can games. save 17% on Steam right now. I have one more. Um, Kenna? Kina? Bridge of Spirits. No? Mm-hmm. No. Um... Let's see. 
Um, this one doesn't even have a bio in it. I saved cool. it. I don't even know what it is. It's coming Tana, out. Tana, Bridge of Spirits is an upcoming action-adventure game developed and published by Ember Lab. The story follows Kenna, a young spirit guide who uses her magical abilities to help deceased people move from the physical to the spirit world. Yes, for me. Is that not just like Spiritfarer? Spiritfarer, yeah. Different. But this, the plot sounds the same. It sounds, yeah. I mean, what I've watched you play. through a third-person uh, perspective. It looks very, like, CGI. Interesting. Hmm. Are there any Maybe. games you've played this summer for the first time that you are uh, really Bravely using? Default 2 came out recently. which what is, is it? uh, It's an RPG, and you, like, travel along. It's, like, four characters. You can change their classes and give them different abilities, and you're trying to collect I these like crystals. That. And it has turn-based RPG fights. Oh, I might like that one. What was it called? Uh, Bravely Default 2. I'll let you borrow it. I'm you can try it out. Check it out. Yes. Um, I have actually played Spiritfarer, and it's great. It's very chill. Um, and it looks fun. My favorite one that I've played newly recently, it's not a new game, but I have played it recently, is called Night in the Woods, and it's mm. great. It's basically a visual novel where you make a couple choices, and that's it. Mm. And another one kind of along that line, along that line called Oxen Free, mm. which is another, basically a visual novel where you just kind of make choices sometimes. Mm. It's kind of my vibe. I was going to buy Spirit Fair because it was on sale, but mm-hmm. then I was like, I know that Sarah's been playing it. I'm mm-hmm. going to wait until I see her, and then mm-hmm. I'll just ask her about it. I'll let you And, yeah, you and then it is no longer on sale. And I was Aww. like, what? You go back and check it. We'll be yeah. there. I got I just, Emily Bravely Default 2 for her birthday, and she got me Spirit mm-hmm. for her birthday. Mm. I just started playing. I finally decided to put new games on my Switch and stop playing Animal Crossing. Um, I mean, I haven't played that in a while. but Same. I've, <laughs> uh, I put on Cozy Grove, which a friend <gasps> recommended. And is it's it cute. lovely? Yeah, it's so cute. I want to play that. Um, you help these, like, spirits that are stuck on the island, and they're all sort of like bears, but not scary bears, Emily. Um, I didn't even notice they were bears until they were like, are you a bear, too? And I was like, wait, the rest of them are bears? <laughs> so it's a very abstract type oh, of thing. It sounds um, like Spirit Pair, though. There's a kind Switch of game it's, coming. It's more like, it's kind of like Animal Crossing, actually, where you're, like, gathering supplies and building things, mm. but it's like a plot line. So like oh, okay. they'll give you tasks and be like, I need to build this. I need you to find so many like branches and like herbs and things. And Is then, it a game you can win? I think so. Because you can't really win. I think, crossing. well, there's yes, so you many. you can't, don't be a cheater. <laughs> I think so many like games that like, or if you help, they have like a storyline and like hearts until they're able to pass on to the next realm. Mm-hmm. Very but fair. I think... Um, there's a limited amount of them on the island because it's not that huge. And so once all of them go on, I would assume that's the end. And you would go on too. Well, yeah. you're alive. Right? Oh, um, you're like know. a you're like a Cub Scout basically with a sash. Wouldn't and that they're be like a crazy like ending though? Like, you're dead. <laughs> Here you go. Oh my gosh! The other one I've been playing is Unravel Two, which How is, is so much fun. Yeah, and the graphics are good, and I'm getting better at it. Um, so yeah. There's one coming out at some point that I've seen commercials for a couple of times, or what do you call it, trailers or whatever. And it's, I don't know when it's getting released. I think because of COVID, it's been like, they have only did summer releases. No, I'm just kidding. Keep going. It's called Bear and Breakfast. And it's basically, you run a bed and breakfast, but you're a bear. And this is what it looks like. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but... Look how cute. It does look cute, actually. <laughs> I want to play it. It's a very it cute little, like, like um, 2D cartoon. It's like a little bear Stardew. with, like, a little messed up tractor, and you got to fix stuff. And it but it's not really as pixely like Stardew, mm, which no. is why I don't, like, want to play that. I don't know. My coworker is obsessed. 
just with Stardew, and I never got into it because I didn't really understand I really only yeah. ever played it with Hannah, so, mm-hmm. like, as far as the game itself, where you're supposed <laughs> to, like, make friends and try to get, like, an SO or something, yeah. like, we just never. Mm. It's fine. You have, like, a crazy farm that makes lots of money, though. <laughs> good, good, good. So I have, uh, before we go on to our tales, also books coming out this summer, so I will read a brief synopsis and... Uh, we'll decide yes or no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, these are just generic ones recommended by Time. Uh, the first one is One Last Stop by Casey McQuinston, the person that wrote Red, White, and Royal Blue. <gasps> yeah. Um, three-year-old, uh, tw- tw- three-year-old, 23-year-old. <laughs> that was a significant word to leave out. That's, that's funny. 23-year-old August has just arrived in New York City with a cynical attitude and barely any luggage. Her whole life fit into five boxes. She's a perpetual loner till one fateful ride in the Q train changes everything. She meets a mysterious girl in a leather jacket named Jane and is instantly smitten. But there's a catch. Jane has been stuck on the subway since the 1970s. Whoa, that sounds cool. What's it called again? One Last Stop. I when is say, it coming Yes, out. and when is it coming out? I don't have this information. Yeah. I just know summer. I only wrote so many things down, guys. It's fine, it's fine. I have a okay. laptop. It's just uh, okay. June 1st. So it's, it's out. It's out. out. There, Sorry, I just stalked your foot. That's how excited I'm going to right now. Right now. <laughs> it's going right now. <laughs> They're about to close. Well, no, we got some time, but we don't. Okay. Um, next, um, The Maidens. I keep seeing this one on Bookstagram. Um, Alex Michaelides. I assume it's Greek. I'm not sure if that's pronounced correctly. Uh, she, he, I'm not sure. Alex of, an, of a gender. Uh, or not. Um, <laughs> good. Good. Row the Silent Patient, if anyone read that. I did. Oh, his. There we got the answer. His follow-up is just a twist, just as twisty and involves another suspicious killing. This time, a London therapist learns of the murder of her niece's friend. She thinks a Cambridge University Greek tragedy professor who is particularly popular with members of a female secret society known oh, as no. the Maidens is to blame. She quickly becomes obsessed with proving his guilt, a fixation that... En- Threatens to upend her whole world. The cover looks really cool. It I'll does. say yes, because I did read a murder mystery book this year, and I really liked it. So I liked the side yes. location. It had a good... Same author, really there you go. Well, I know you like the kind of, like, suburban mystery that was things. That one took oh. place in an institution. Oh. I'm, but yes, I do like the suburban, like, BS books. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I don't think I said the other one. I'm intrigued by both of these. I kind of read these already, so just know that I at least probably want to read them. But okay. <laughs> there's so many books that came are coming out, I could I had to pick some. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have one called Blackout by uh, Six... Young adult authors collaborating to present six six stories of young black love and heartbreak that all happens as the power goes out on one hot summer night in New York City. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like In the Heights. It does. Kind of. Like, in the Heights. <laughs> like that one scene in, in yeah. the Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and then this is the last one of just generic and then I have some genre related books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dream Girl by Laura Lipman. Jerry Anderson is, or was, a best-selling novelist, but when he's injured and confined to his home, the women of his past and present begin to haunt him in perplexing and increasingly terrifying ways. <laughs> awesome. It sounds yeah. like Gerald's game, but... I was thinking, like, Gerald's game mixed with misery. It. Like, misery, except <laughs> I mean, for, like, yeah. the author's not the good guy. <laughs> I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah. This says Dream Girl is a slow burn psychological thriller about a where to go. Famous author. <laughs> Never mind, I lost it. You <laughs> didn't like my synopsis from Time. Sarah's too good for Time magazine. Who believes that a character from his fictional novel is out in revenge? Oh my god. I would read it for I sure. I feel like that seems like a different summary, but both seem interesting. That's from Goodreads. Unless <laughs> it's a- <laughs> I just 
<laughs> I looked up releases and was like, just took the publisher summary. Um, the next two are sci-fi ones. Type. One that I definitely am excited about, which is this one. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, um, known for writing The Martian. Uh, when a man named Raylan Grace... Like Spencer. No. When a man like <laughs> Grace awakens in a stasis pod, he can't remember who he is or what he's doing in deep space. The two dead astronauts in his ship aren't any help either. Cool. I can read more, but I feel like that's enough. Is it? Amazing I mystery it, yeah. in space. Yeah. 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 By the guy that wrote the Martian. by himself then? No, um, there are two dead people there. As he begins to recall his past, he remembers that he had been once been a prominent scientist with unorthodox views oh. and on extraterrestrial life. So maybe oh. something with that. Mm-hmm. Um, All he knows is he's been asleep for a very long time. Apparently. <laughs> um, the other one I thought was kind of just a funny synopsis. Questland by Carrie Vaughn. That sounds funny. Over. This one's out already. Westworld meets epic fantasy yep. in Carrie Vaughn's next new novel. An eccentric tech billionaire reaches out to a literature professor with a special task. He'd like her to lead a team of mercenaries to his private island in the Pacific Ocean, where he set up a fantastical resort that allows tourists to experience what it's like to live in a fantasy world. The situation is dire. A park employee and the ex and an ex has apparently gone rogue and erected a force field around the island, oh, and no. Lang is desperate to get it under control. Sorry, there's just a D20 on the cover of that book. Oh, yeah, there is. Huh. So, Yes. <laughs> yes, I didn't I understand that when I saw it, but you guys yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, maybe right. it's maybe it's like they're living on this island in a a D and D world. I and think it's just, maybe like this is readers will also enjoy Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary. What the other book you oh, just Project Hail Mary? Yes. So far, we're yes on all these books. Yeah, I picked out good ones. We're big old book nerds, though. I need to read more. All right, yeah. here's one: uh, Survive the Night by Riley Sager. Out. Yesterday. Wow. Um, well, yesterday as of recording. It, it's, it's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's November 1991. George H.W. Bush is in the White House, Nirvana's in the tape deck, and movie-obsessed college student Charlie Jordan is in a car with a man who might be a serial killer. I have read the back of this book. Yes. 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 I mean, I didn't buy it at the time. I mean, I was also working, but... I want to read it, but I also have... Um, his book, Final Girls. And I'm trying really hard to not buy a second book of an author before I've read the first one in case I don't like them. This is fair. Because sometimes I do that and I'll be like, oh, this one sounds interesting too. And then I'll read the first one and I'll be like, I hate their writing style. Why do I have two of their books now? Then you just give it away to one of your friends. Well, yeah, but like, hey, I hate this book. Here you go. Sometimes it's so bad you have to just donate it. Oh, sometimes you pay full price for it. It's true. Here's one of an author that Sarah just read. The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. That's when you were just talking about, right? No. That was the Survive the Night by Riley Sager. No, the one that you were talking about that you own. No. You don't own the Final Girls support group? No, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the Final no, Girls? No, it was Final Girls. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I didn't know they were Those are two books. different books, apparently. That's wow. I was very confused, because I'm like, what? No, that's not what did I you said. Literally? You literally... You did... I did say that. Um, I wasn't going to say it. Final Girls support group. Hendrix's homage to slasher films follows six girls who belong to a survivor's support group that has been meeting for nearly two decades. <sighs> that's the same one that wrote the other one that I don't like? Uh, my best friend's exorcism. I thought you liked it, but it like had some problematic parts. It had extremely problematic parts, mm. and I didn't like the ending. He's one 
You know how I just said I'm trying not to buy books of people that I haven't read? I have a couple of his books. Maybe other ones are but different. But two of them were a dollar on ebooks, so I feel like that's different. Yeah. You know what? That's fair. If I've only you spent, like, spend a dollar on anything. Right. No one will I'd rather spend a dollar on, like, a book than something that is just, yeah. like, nothing. Whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. I got two more horror ones. Yes. Um, uh, the Dead in the Dark is a YA debut about the th- oh by Courtney Gould Ooh. about the things that lurk in dark corners, blah, blah, blah. Something is wrong in Snakebite, Oregon. Ooh. Teenagers are disappearing, some turning up dead, the weather isn't normal, and all fingers point to TV's most popular, it's a cool cover, yeah. ghost hunters who have just come to town. Logan, daughter of TV's Paraspectors, has never been to Snakebite before, but the moment she and her dads arrive, she starts to get the feeling that there's more than ghosts plaguing this small town. Dads. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that's cool. I'd read that one. And it's YA. You said YA debut. I'm like, I'm already sold. Yeah. (laughs) And he's there. I'm ready. And lastly, I already know the answer to this one, even though I know your feelings on when he writes the genre, but coming out in August. Stephen King? Billy Summers by Stephen King. Mm -hmm. King's newest follows a killer for hire who only kills the worst of the worst and who's very, very good at what he does. When he's hired for his biggest job yet, though, everything starts to go horribly wrong. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I do like Stephen King's writing style. This one seems more horror-esque, though, than, yeah. like, the detective one. He's a really <laughs> Yeah, you do. That's a great book. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's, I have it. I think it's a way faster read than it appears to be mm-hmm. by its length. Mm-hmm. I also, though, am still not done with 11-22-63, so who am I to judge? Listen. I did get further in it. I did get further in it. I'm proud of you. What did you say? 24601. Yes. My name is... 11-23-63? 11-22-63. Going on. You always say, I don't say the 63, so for your sake, I said it, because apparently... If people are reading a book about November 22nd, they're going to assume it was another hugely important historical event that happened on that day, not JFK. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So my last summer thing for us is, of course, the Olympics is happening. Sure. Olympics Uh, 2020 might be happening in 21. Uh Um, Is it happening in Beijing or Japan? Somewhere. Tokyo. Beijing is not in China. Japan. Well, one is one is China, one was Japan. Japan. Yeah, it yeah. is in Japan. Yeah. Um, so my question is, what is your favorite summer Olympic sport to watch? Swimming. Gymnastics? Yeah, I would say gymnastics, probably. I don't really enjoy yeah. watching sports very much, but I do Even like gymnastics. Even the Olympics? I do like ice skating, but I don't think this is summer. That's a winter sport. No, you're sorry. So I remember going to the gym and running and watching ice skating and being <gasps> afraid that they were going to fall. But no, they never so you know what you guys would like probably is they all have like trampolining as an Olympic sport. Yes. No, somebody's going to break their nut. <laughs> oh. I was about to say to they're professionals, but technically they're all amateurs. So, no, not all of them. No, like <sighs> the basketball team. You've seen it happen though. Like people just have accidents. What's the, what's the name of the girl that's winning all those awards right now? Simone Biles? Mm. Is it? Mm. Yeah. She's awesome. And she's like super smart and she she's like had amazing. a kid and then she was she like, here I am to gorgeous. run. I don't think she she's had a child. Oh, maybe it was a different Strong. Person. She is smart. She should represent us. She's the best of what we have. <laughs> There's a, a track person I saw that she's like a Harvard graduate and like does like science stuff and like also is representing the U.S. in track. Like, cool. Hmm. Um, what about you? 
I think gymnastics. gymnastics. I watch a lot of it though. Like I'll when the Olympics is on, I watch sports that I would never watch any other time. Like I don't watch gymnastics. Yeah. Other parts of the year, but like I will watch some of the track and field. I don't really get into or swimming. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, and I'll never watch swimming. I at mean, any other. Moment. I feel like <laughs> if I'm at a place and there is a sport on the TV. Like, mm. that is fine. But, like, that's, like, yeah. the extent of me watching I sports, might watch though. basketball. Now that I watch NBA, I'll, like, squeak, know squeak, the people. Squeak. But squeak, 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 <laughs> yes. Squeak, squeak. Um, and so then my second question for the Olympics is, if you had a month to prepare, no. what would be the sport in the Olympics that you think you would be a best at? Not no, 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 that's all you get. If you had a month, I'm not talking about, like, years of training. But, like, what do you think you would crash and burn at the least? Maybe, like, a sprint? Yeah. yeah, probably something to do with like uh, something small and not gymnastics. How about so speed big. walking across a grassy field? Speed walking is a sport. Is For it really? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I feel How like about pole vaulting. No, you'll die. I mean, if you're good at throwing things. What if yeah. you just do one of those like floor dance routines and it's yeah, the just ribbon, you doing ribbon gymnastics. Cartwheels across the floor. <laughs> can't even do a cartwheel. If you don't yeah, have to do ribbon busy. gymnastics, I don't okay. think. Maybe you do. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I feel I like, like you. I don't know. Maybe biking for not too long of a distance. Mm. I do know how to ride a bike. I can't go as far or fast as them, but I feel like I, I make it to mm. the end. <laughs> what if I put myself on a soccer team and then I just stand in the corner? Um, they'd probably be upset with you. I've had it only a month. How can they be that upset? <laughs> <laughs> I think just running the length of the soccer field, I would just kill it. I don't mean like, to, like, they're this so This is so big. I'd be like, I'm done now. <laughs> they run so many miles in a game. Like, I'd be like, I'm fine. And then by the end, I would be like, lame. Well, and the ones that I feel like the worst for are actually like the refs. Because like at least as a defender or like an attacker, you can kind of stay in your area of the pitch mm-hmm. and then you move when you have to and the ball comes up and like you're mm-hmm. moving a little bit but you're not like full-on sprinting all the time yeah but the ref has to be near the ball all of the time mm-hmm. and is just and everybody hates them yeah it's yeah. the worst job do they get paid a lot they're massive i don't know some of them do other jobs oh. like i was watching um the <laughs> euro competition and they're like this ref is also a cop and it was like what <laughs> i was thinking like a ref and also like a grocery bagger and someone's like, in the store like you called a bad play, and they just, like, punched it. <laughs> and then the manager's like, now make sure you stay service with a smile. Just trying to add the eggs, lady. <laughs> oh, my. No, no. I just, I think, I don't know. I, Did you say yours? I said oh, biking. biking. Yeah, yeah. I do, like, there's, like, a, a Twitter or meme thing going around that's, like, I still believe we should have at least one regular person in every event to show how superb these athletes are. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. What about rowing? I could do rowing, probably. Yeah, rowing. Yeah. Training for I couldn't do it, but, you know. Yeah. I feel like you would let your team down. <laughs> How dare you? I haven't even started training That's yet. Right. You don't know what tomorrow. is inside of me. Which we'll is come back in August. <laughs> I feel like the summer ones, at least, have less of a chance of, like, terrible injuries. I mean, there's still terrible injuries, but, like... It's not like a ski jump where you just hit it wrong and you die. Or, like, racing or moguls or, like, things that you're just, like, and now I'm dead. Yeah. This is is fair. Like, there's, I don't know. Now I'm dead. The winter ones, there's just so much more room for calamity. Yeah. 
Where it's like, okay, you are racing and you like pull a hamstring. Well, that sucks, but you're It's also embarrassing, which is almost as bad as well, also you just, you know, spent so much of your life preparing for the Olympics and then, and then you beat it in front of Some of, of those I gymnastics do. ones, though, they like mess themselves up for that. Like they're, I don't know. Mm. Falling off things or like Your landing, you insane. land weird after like a. a I've seen videos thing. and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so summer. So summer. Anyway, what's so your that's summer drink. Yeah, that's what's coming out in summer. Summer drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Tea. Tea. tea yeah. That's right. Probably iced tea. I would say yeah, iced tea or lemonade. Lemonade is a combination of two. Oh, lovely summer drinks. I've also been drinking, there's a uh, pineapple orange juice that Wegman sells. It's Yo. delightful. And I'll just salivate yeah. it. <laughs> so good. There's probably I'm not trying that to, much sugar in there. I'm trying to cut down on, like, just drinking juice in general, but sometimes I'm like, It's so yummy, and it's, it's so, so good. It's so yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't Sarah had to go last <laughs> sure, with I'll go our previous episode. Because yeah. you all know, because you listen. That's right. So <laughs> Sarah's going to start out with our favorite summer tales. Mm-hmm. Show. So, show. <laughs> it is Shows. a show. <laughs> show. Uh, yeah, so my first tale is Once on this Island. Yay. <laughs> Once on this Island is a one-act musical with a book and lyrics by Lynn uh, Allens. And music by, is it? Aaron's. Is it Aaron's? Yeah. It's spelled A-H-R-E-N-T. Yeah, I, I was trying to say Aaron's. Aaron's. Cool. Lynn Aaron's. And music by Stephen Flattery. Flaherty. That? Sorry. No, why are you sorry? You're correcting me in a good way. You looked at me for the correction. Yeah. Based on the 1985 novel My Love, My Love, or The Peasant Girl by Rosa Guy, it is set in the French Antilles archipelago in the Caribbean Sea. It concerns a peasant girl on a tropical island who uses the power of love to bring people together of different social classes. Mm-hmm. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Emily and I actually went and saw this we the revival. Yes. Jealous. In the uh, circle, the theater in the circle in the circle square. Circle in the square. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which uh, anybody who's done any theater knows that directing and staging uh, any theater in the round is a It's a difficult it's a hard yeah. beast. But it was mm-hmm. great. The actors just never stop moving, and mm-hmm. it looks exhausting. It's and true. you weren't allowed to take pictures of the set. Got, got in that. trouble by the usher. Yeah, uh-huh. because there is a child there, like for the pre-show, so you're like not supposed to take pictures. There's not a couple, but it's very nice. The twice. original <laughs> Broadway production ran from 1990 to 1991, and the West End production opened in '94, where it won the best. Uh, where it won 1995 Lawrence Olivier Award for Best New Musical. It was revived on Broadway in a production that opened on December 3rd, 2017, as I said, in the Circle in the Square Theater. It won the 2018 Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical. And I remember... Nice. At, or not, we weren't at the Tonys, but we were watching the Tonys, and they had, like, the sand, and they did it, and they, like, set up the stage so that it looked like the Circle in the Square Theater, and I was like, oh, they must be, like, simulcasting from, like, the theater, but they didn't. They, like... Brought the sand and everything, and like they put bring, up they do crazy things for the yeah. Tony Awards sure into like wherever the Tony Awards were, and I was like, "That's crazy!" Think of all those backstage people that had to sweep up all the sand. Oh, <laughs> hurts bless me. them. <laughs> um, there's a Disney film adaptation in the works for Disney Plus. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It is inspired in part by Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. It's deceptively simple. A peasant girl has fallen in love above her class, and this is told around a fire by a group of Caribbean peasants as they wait out a terrible storm. However, as the story unfolds, theme about social classes, 
dreams, family, and love all combined to create a magical tale. It's, re- it's really good. It's a really good story. <laughs> there's no intermission for the 90-minute long show. Um, and there's two versions of the music available, which is OBC and Revival. Mm-hmm. I started listening to the Revival today, and it was very lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I, I was just kind of perusing Google, and there was an article that talked about um, how the tour wasn't doing that great. Like, there was something missing in it. But in that um, review, there was a really great paragraph about the original one that we saw, the Revival. And it's this. Arden's 2017 Broadway staging apparently drew much of its power from its immersive nature. The show ran in New York City at the Circle and Square Theater, whose intimate in-the-round setup seems to have turbocharged the ambience. The close quarter allowed for scenic designer uh, found object to charm from every angle, the incorporation of sand and water into the stage floor to impress, and the gods to literally enter from above the audience. That's by Chris Fire for the Sun Times on January third, twenty twenty. It was very good. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, and we got to meet all the people afterwards, and they were so kind. that one girl like touched my chest. You're so, like, you're so warm. <laughs> and your your face was like, oh, <laughs> it was free. I liked it. Uh, it was it was really cool to meet them. They were all just wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's really lovely music. They had cool like there was a part because we were in the round, and mm-hmm. there was a part where they put up like a burlap sheet that was sort of see-through with the light and on one side they had actors like for the people on that side they could see the actors acting out what they were talking about and on our side we saw the shadow of the acting like it was really really cool a lot of like really like neat stuff and at one point they like cleared the sand off this square and it turned out that there was like a persian rug under there to represent like Mm -hmm. the bottom and just like the water in that one hallway and, and the lights, lights and, oh, and the fog. So oh, it was so cool. Now I'm looking at, isn't there like a really big star that was in the revival? And um, I can't think of her name. I know I'm that looking. the girl broke her leg. She did. I saw a really cute nice. video where they filmed. She thought she was coming in to like have her final audition. And instead of her final audition, they were like, we would like you to play. And she just like left the room and was crying. And her mom's like, what's going on? And I was like crying. Like, like, I was so, <laughs> so cute. Um, Haley, let's see. Oh, Kil- Kilgore. Yeah, that's not who I was thinking of. I um, apparently it was it was Michael Arden is the one that directed it and came up with that whole idea. And he's the guy that was Quasimodo in Hunchback, and nice. like he's a really good director. He was the one that did the. Um, Spring Awakening with um, deaf actors in sign language. Yes. So, like, he's always, like, reimagining things in a cool way. So that's he what I was really trying cool to think thing of. where, like, all of their costumes were made up of, like, the trash that was on the beach. Yeah. Because it's, like, um, I mean, it starts as this little girl that's scared in a storm and all the people that are with her, like, start telling her this story. And so they, like, come together to play all these characters and they're just, like, picking up whatever they have but then as the story goes on, their costumes get better and better. And then as you, like, as the story starts to end, their costumes turn back into the... It's, like, really, really cool. Yeah. Leia Salonga was the big star. Yes. Did you see... That's the one that... (laughs) (laughs) She, like, literally was, like, taking a picture with Sarah and then she, like, touched her chest and was like, you're so warm. I've been, like, standing in the sun all day. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. It was... Mm -hmm. That's Jasmine... Princess Jasmine. She's perfect. And also many other things. <laughs> Broadway. Yeah. Soon. It's, it's coming back. Soon. It's coming back. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. So cool. um, I'm jealous. I really wanted to see it. Maybe a little... I wanted to no, see that Oklahoma, version. Right? I wanted now. to see that version. Or they were? 
In Homer? Uh, no, no, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. I don't know if they still are. I was like, please tell me they're not doing no, it. No, no, no. But they did Oklahoma. <laughs> Who, honestly, uh, when that show comes out. What's happening at Circle and so, Emily, what's yeah, your number two? Um, so, this is a movie that we all have seen um, over this past, maybe, last couple months, um, which is The Uninvited, which is set in the yeah. summer, but it's not specific, specifically about yep. summer. Mm-hmm. I, but that was my Like, you're, like, in the last couple months, and I think it was, like, October. Was it last year? <laughs> I don't know. What? Sorry. I just looked up, like, Circle in the Square, and so it has, like, Once on this Island, 2017, Oklahoma, 2019, and the show... That they have, I guess, coming out is called Chicken and Biscuits. No. <laughs> I thought you were saying that they're staging it in Oklahoma. No, no, no. And I was they're like, doing Oklahoma, you know or they did Oklahoma. Oklahoma was after. the one that right. Got it. Yeah. You know, I think I Google saw... Chicken and Biscuits, you get recipes that not show. <laughs> what? No way. I think I saw Putnam County Spelling Bee in that theater. It was very cool. Nice. In the round? Mm-hmm. That show would lend itself to me. Yeah, it was like the original, like the original Broadway production was in that one. Anyways, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's all right. I had a big old stumble. I'm going to try to be better. Um, The Uninvited (laughs) is a 2009 American psychological horror film directed by the Guard Brothers and starring uh, Emily Browning, Elizabeth Banks, Ariel Kebble, and David Stratheron. Uh, it is a remake of the 2003 South Korean horror film, A Tale of Two Sisters, which is one of the several films, uh, ad- uh, adaptations of the Korean folk tale of Zhang Hua Han Gryon Jeon. I might have been saying that wrong. I do apologize. You definitely were. <laughs> Listen, I, mean, I don't know. I how might have known. I'm trying. Uh, this is like a, like a little recap from this one I pulled from IMDb. Um, after the death of her ill mother in a fire, young teenager... Anna tries to commit suicide and is sent to a mental institution for treatment. Ten months later, she still can't remember what happened that night over the summer when her mother died, but her psychiatrist, Dr. Sillen, uh, it doesn't matter, the doctor discharges her. He's not important. Uh, telling her that she has resolved her issues. Her father, Stephen, a successful author, brings her back home. <laughs> a successful a successful Sometimes you just need author. to take a breath and, and just... Is it nice where you are? No. (laughs) Brings her back home to their isolated mansion near the coast, where Anna finds that her mother's former nurse, Rachel Summers, is her stepmother now. Anna is happier to see her beloved sister, Alex, who is swimming in the sea, and the two of them decide to look for evidence to prove that Rachel murdered their mother and investigate the fire that was caused in the boathouse. The biggest thing I remember about watching this was that we had just watched Tucker and Dale fight evil, <laughs> and there's the annoying kid named Chad, and then he showed up as like her ex boyfriend, <laughs> and we were like, "It's Chad." <laughs> I know he was you, like the same character. <laughs> I know that you didn't care for this movie, or you I, I like, thought got it was the fine. twist or whatever. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Ish. I, I mean, I mostly figured You were it like, out. is it this thing? And I'm thinking, it's not that thing. And you're it's either this thing or that thing. I'm like, it's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I like said it as a joke. And then I was like, oh, that is actually what It happened. definitely, it's like. It's fine. It's not like groundbreaking, earth shattering. But it is one of my absolute favorite uh psychological horror movies I like I have gone back to watch it it's just kind of fun yeah once you know what the twist is it's kind of really cool to go back and, and watch the movie again um it reminded me a lot of what lies beneath which we watched pretty close to that mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. and it was just a very similar vibe and oh yeah and it's like again nothing crazy um 
The original score for the music was composed by Christopher Young. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, I know them it. all personally. <laughs> you know every single movie artist ever. Uh, who, who recorded it with a 78-piece orchestra and a 20-person choir. He, his score uh, featured a glass harmonica and the Yale's Women's Slavic Chorus. All right. That seems like a lot for that show. Um, and originally, Emily Browning, who plays the uh, main character, did uh, audition for the sister role. Hmm. I was just looking outside, and the clouds it's, are very pretty. Cotton candy <laughs> clouds. Mm. Um, yeah, so it is It is great. It's fun. It's, it's horror and psychological thriller, so if that's your thing, give it a chance. And it's set in the summer, and it's fun. It's just yeah. fun. It's low-stress oh, yeah. horror. Yeah. And it's, it's like not very gory. Yeah. No, yeah. There's, like, one gory part at the end. Ryan would not like it, because that might be <laughs> end. But otherwise... I feel like if you're, like, getting into horror thrillers, yeah. this would be a good jumping-off point. And you'll probably get the twist sooner than I did as a wee bit when I watched the movie. <laughs> uh, and that's my first one. My first one, I'm short. <laughs> um, yeah. Mine is the film Moonrise Kingdom. Yes, it's so mm-hmm. good. Which is a 2012 coming-of-age adventure from Wes Anderson. It starred Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Francis McDormand, and Tilda Swinton, plus the introduction of Jared Gilman and Kara Hayward as the main two children. Uh, The movie was nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars, Best Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes, and is on the BBC's list of Best Films of the 21st Century, and it has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. We stand a Rotten Tomatoes. That's true. I am going to read you the Wikipedia summary, which I don't usually do, but when things are... Well written, why rewrite them? Um, <laughs> it's also kind of hard to explain it. Yeah. yeah. So, largely set on the fictional New England island of New Penzance, Penzance, it tells the story of an orphan boy who escapes from a scouting camp to unite with his pen pal and love interest, a girl with aggressive tendencies. <laughs> Feeling alienated from their guardians and shunned by their peers, the lovers, in quotations, <laughs> abscond to an isolated beach. Meanwhile, the island's police captain, played by Bruce Willis, organizes a search party of scouts and family members to locate the runaways it's just like the silliest movie i've ever seen Mm -hmm. and if you've seen other wes anderson things it it fits right into the rest of them um it took eight months of casting to find the two kids and all of the kid actors were novices which i thought was interesting Hmm. like they had like most of them had never even done like an audition before wow um they were really good yeah and that was the case with Channel It really is it. I just, I really like it. It's quirky. It's a feel-good one. It's like exploring kids, like, growing up and um, having to go through tough times. And, like, it's there's funny. a lot of, like, positive things with, like, dealing with mental health. Because, like, she is aggressive and, like, she lives with her brothers but is always doing her own thing. And, like, he's dealing with the fact that... He's in, like, a foster home, and they don't really care about him. And he finds, like, this girl that actually likes him, and he's always, like, the weirdo in the camp. So, and, like, the characters are just weird. Tilda Swinton plays, like, an unnamed character just called Social Services that's always, like, (laughs) trying to track him down. Um, Like, it's just, like, the costumes are great and, like, apparently inspired when I was reading, like, a lot of Halloween costumes that year, which I kind of do remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, the scenes are extremely colorful and symmetrical, like, usual with Wes Anderson. So if you ever see, like, a still of the film, like, every single one looks like it was, like, painted. So Mm -hmm. um, just very, very cool. Um, 
my one anecdote with this was so I had seen the movie and I did really like it. And the movie uses music from um, Alexander Dupla, who um, has written a lot of movie scores, and then also Benjamin Britten's Simple Symphony. And like he'll weave it into the score. But the commercial and the trailer for it just had the dun 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 bum 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 like over and over again. And when I first started watching Parks and Rec on Hulu, <laughs> that was the commercial that played at every commercial break. <laughs> and I was like binging Parks and Rec. And so I saw this trailer for Moonrise Kingdom dozens and dozens and dozens of times with just the Benjamin Britten like theme going and I was like I'm never listening to this piece again oh, and that's no. just like the movie's great but I just always like think that that's funny You're that like, I, had I couldn't to, like, handle it <laughs> yeah it was just too much but I've never seen that movie it's really good it's mm-hmm. so funny you should watch it sometime mm-hmm. um so yeah honorable mentions I didn't write any down I found summertime to be va- I mean like Greece. But I found, like, like, because we've talked about doing season episodes Mm. as we hit each season. And, like, I didn't consider summer when at the time when we decided that. And, like, winter is easy. Fall is easy. Spring probably will be tricky. But summer was just, like, I mean, there's not really many holidays. We're, like, 4th of July. Right. And, like, the fair. But that's just here. (laughs) Right. For auto, we could do, like, spooky Halloween things. Right. Or you could do harvest things. Yeah, you could do, you you know. So, I had some trouble. I, I agree with that, I though. have some. I have also, like, named characters named Summer. So, mm-hmm. there's Summer Rose from Ruby. There's Summer um, from Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. There's Summer Hathaway from School of Rock. And then, my big honorable mention, if I had not done this on our first episode, <laughs> I would have picked Gravity Falls because it is the adventures of twins, Mabel and Dipper Pines, as they discover um, the mysteries of Gravity Falls <laughs> over the summer. Like yeah. or Lumberjings in our other episode. Lumberjings is another great example of one that could have been used for. So some I mean, it, they're very yeah. similar, like yeah. the vibes of those two shows. Survivor. No, it's not always in the summer. It's, it's an island, like it's on an island, and sunny, and like. Yeah. Well, and I think I was trying to think of like what's good like summer reading, and anytime I would Google stuff to like rack my brain and like get it jump started, I'm thinking like. I don't read, like, beach reads ever. No, so no. I bet, like, I'll read just a lot of books in the summer because I'm off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, the ones I did come up with, though, that take place in the summer, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, mm-hmm. um, Dirty Dancing, which you suggested. Point, Sarah. Like, <laughs> Good. I don't have a, like, list of summer movies, but it didn't necessarily mean, like, movies that take place in the summer, but just, like, let's see in the summer. Right. That does not help me. Um, Parent yeah. Trap. Yep. Oh, uh, that's a it good It takes one. two, which is the parent trap with the Olsen twins. Yeah, I know. I don't. It's weird. Or parent trap, um, Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that one's good, though. It is. Um, two, two Stephen King ones, uh, Stand By Me, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. or The Body, which is the novella. Um, and then I almost did It, but I feel like we spent enough time on it in our Stephen King podcast. True. Mm-hmm. I switch. Um, in the Heights, so another musical. That's yes. true. That's fair. Um, which we went and saw the movie together. I it liked fun. it. It was I did, too. Um, and then I have muse, other musicals, Porgy and Bess, mm. Carousel, mm. Kiss Me Kate, mm. and 110 in the Shade. They did that when I, well, they did that after I was out of school, but man, that's... Mm. I don't really know the show, but I like some of the music. Yeah, that's fine. Then I have the horror book, The Ruins, and it's also a movie. 
killer vines. I just, it's, it's something. And then <laughs> the last silly. one is it always, like, um, I was always excited when Summer came around. I haven't watched the last few seasons, but I was obsessed with So You Think You Can Dance. And it always, <laughs> it always aired during the summer. And yes. I'd always be like, there's nothing on TV. <gasps> so You Think You Can Dance starts in a week. Woo! Yeah. And, like, that was, like, the thing that I watched for years in the summer. So, I mean, it went into the fall, but mm-hmm. that was... Literally the only thing on TV that I would ever do. Paradise, paradise. Do you think of any more as I jogged your memory? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, finish with our creepers in the summer. I have no idea. <laughs> Just say this. Who's gonna stop Yes, it's it's warm. It's in the summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Sarah. What's your last tale? Okay, so like I said. I kind of struggled, but I thought, like, sunny, bright, lots of colors. So I'm going to cover the video game franchise Mario Party, which has been a part <laughs> of my childhood and up to and including, like, now. I, we haven't done video Parties games in the summer. It's party. Yeah. Mario Party is a party video game series featuring characters from Mario franchise in, um, in which up to four local players or computer-controlled characters called CPUs compete in a board game introspective with minigames. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. There, so there's been, I think I counted 16 of them. Whoa. Yeah. That's, uh, it's on um, N64, and there's a new one GameCube, <laughs> Game Boy Advance, Wii, Nintendo DS, Nintendo 3DS, Wii U, and then now for the Switch. All the Nintendos. Yes. I played on the N64, and I've also played... Um, the Nintendo DS one, and mm-hmm. now most recently the Switch one. And mm-hmm. the most recent one that they're releasing has all of the game boards from, like, theoretically all of the game boards from every game, which is so many game I'm, boards. I'm kind yeah. of excited about yes. it. Yes, we're going to get it. <laughs> um, when I first got the one for Switch, I thought it was going to allow me to play online with people, like just the regular game, but it didn't. But it's fine, because they did an update now, and you can All right. Over the course of the Mario Party series, gameplay has changed to suit the technology of the hardware. There are several game modes available in each of the games, each of which provides its own rules and challenges. Every game in the main series has a standard party mode in which up to four players play through a board, trying to collect as many stars as possible. <laughs> it can be very infuriating. Well, sometimes they're like music notes and stuff like that. <laughs> they move around. You can like do things that change where the star is. You can like buy pipes that take you straight to where the star is and that'll move it so other people can't get it. It's like... Mm-hmm. Very fun. I've never played it. You can steal stars from people. Oh, yes. It's so mean. like mini games. It's you so You can set fun. the difficulty level of the yep. computer, mm-hmm. which can be very funny because... So, like, you'll play through a round. Everybody rolls a die. Then you your, like, guy moves, and you either earn coins. If you land on a blue space, you lose coins. If you land on a red space, something weird could happen. If you land mm-hmm. on a weird space, whatever. So everybody like gets a turn. And then at the end of all of that turn, everybody plays a mini game. So it's just like a little game that you play. And sometimes it's like four versus four. Sometimes it's two on two. Sometimes it's one on three. It just depends. It's so It's just like little games that you play. And if you win, you get coins. If you lose, you don't. And your character goes, what's your favorite mini game? Oh, God, I don't know. I like the one on the DS where you have to circle the Goombas because I'm really good at that one. On the Switch, I like the one where you have to slap people in front of the camera. (laughs) Slaparazzi. Slaparazzi. I got so distracted. Uh, Okay, sorry. sorry. (laughs) I don't know what we're telling you, though. You will. We're going to play. Yeah. Um, On most boards, players can earn stars by reaching a star space and purchasing a star for a certain amount of coins. 
The star space appears randomly on one of the predetermined locations and moves every time a star is purchased, usually occupying a blue space. Great. Every Mario Party game contains at least 50 to 100 minigames with a few different types. Four-player games, a free-for-all where everybody plays for themselves, um, competitive two-versus-two games, or one-on-three minigames. Players can compete in two groups, cooperating to win, even though they are still competing individually in the main game. Some minigames in Mario Party 4 are four-player co-op, even though it doesn't say it. In most situations, winners uh, earn 10 coins per game. Um, and then my last kind of fun fact is that the following characters have appeared in all, it says 11, but there's actually 16 uh, Mario Party console games, with a few exceptions. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Yoshi, and Wario. Yeah, There is a huge Toad. chart. Where's Toad? He's the host, usually. Yeah. Um, there's a huge okay. chart on the <laughs> Mario Party Wikipedia page that tell, that lists all of the characters, and then it's like, yes, they're in this game, or no, they're not. And I did just that like with the Mission Impossible characters. Good. <laughs> Well, like, Rosalina comes later, and there's, like, all the villains you can play as also eventually. I do not get Rosalina. Me neither. She's weird. Mm. She's a different size than all of the rest well, of Well, she's yeah. also, like, people Peach 2.0 or whatever. Are no, who sizes. am I thinking of? The one that's, like, actually looks like a human compared to... Yeah, that's Rosalina. Yeah, oh, Rosalina. Okay. Yeah. Or Rosaline, I don't know. I think, isn't she someone's kid or something? She's I dressed know. in blue, and she has long blonde hair. She looks like Peach, no, but not really. No, no, I think her. The one, yeah, that's not who I'm thinking of. Rosalina is fine then. Who's the one? Who's the one in like the like Mario Kart or any of the new Mario ones that like she's like, uh, like in a red dress and she's got long brown hair and she looks human like a human and then Mario is like a quarter of her size. They're all typing and oh, figured out. Do you know her? From Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Pauline. Pauline. What is I've her deal? I've never heard of her. I she don't think she's in. She the jump Why song. is she so much bigger than everybody? <laughs> she is not in Mario she's Party. Not in, like, okay, she's not good. that big of a character. She's like oh. specifically to Mario Odyssey. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she's in some of the Mario Kart games. And I was like, who is this You're weird like, person? Like, add in a new woman, fine. But why <laughs> does she look different How dare than you? every other humanoid character? Because she's not like like cute and chibi. She's yeah, like she looks like a and, like an animated. She looks like woman. Carmen San Diego. Yeah, but then none of the other characters look like that. This is true. I just never. Understood Sometimes it. people look different. Then. This is no, she was a <laughs> different Mario world, species. <laughs> Listen, I can get on board with a talking toadstool, but a realistic human lady was. Gotcha. That's where we draw the line. <laughs> well, she's not in this series. Like Yoshi Koopasaur, fine. Yeah, I don't care. Everyone, I wonder if she's well, been. Um, Smash Bros. Mm. Yes. I mean, yeah. Let's see. Like, and then there's been many Yoshis. I love playing Yoshi and Boo. games. <sighs> Boo always I mean, scared me as a kid. Boo's cackle. So, Pauline, here you go. Here is why she looks different. Oh, oh, oh. She started in, King, in Donkey Kong as the woman in distress. So, she's not originally a Mario character. But isn't Donkey Kong? Okay, but Donkey Kong mm. is done with the. Mario. When he's in Mario Kart, he is character like he drawn like, to look like a character. Aaron's very upset. I am. <laughs> I did not make one of Carmen San Diego specifically not look like the other characters in the game specifically to me. Do you like the song she sings? Have you heard it? It's fine. I, that means no. <laughs> wow. I just I just have questions, and I'm so bad at every Mario game not named Kart. Have you played I, Mario Odyssey? 
No, because I'm so bad at every Mario Party. Maybe you would not like Mario Party. <laughs> I probably <laughs> not. Play I will do it if you want People to. People being yes. mad One. at Mario Party is so <laughs> That's part about It's Mario so Party. fun. It's so... Oh, goodness. Is it kind of like multiplayer Fall Guys? <laughs> it's like playing a board game that's just like... We could just play a board game. <laughs> It's no, because the mini game, yeah. We, you gotta try it once. All right, I'll try yeah. it once. They probably have acoustic Mario Party, though. I, okay, but I played, when I DM'd, the only time I've ever DM'd, I used Mario Party as a basis for what I did. Yeah, we did the Gotham Mario Crazy. Party in real life, though, if I had little tiny, you could use the Amiibos, and then they could be yeah, like, had to make up a bunch of mini games that we would play in real life. Okay. Great. It would not be based on, like, your ability to move a controller, but the ability to move your body. I would, I would set up some fake Goombas in my yard and make you run around. <laughs> I want to do that. With a rope, make, with, like, like some dental Paper blocks. mache Goombas. <laughs> yes, we'll make paper mache Goombas. Great. We've gone oh, down a weird, that's, weird that's place, but that's fine. My second tail is short, so it's good. <laughs> you do what you need to do. All right, really. so uh, we're going to skip on over here. Yeah. Uh, so Sorry. my me again. Your, I did not. That was Sarah. No, that was me. Um, my second tale is, I mean, how can you not do Summer and not do Phineas and Ferb? I've never seen it, so that's I'm how. surprised that none of your students have been like, they have. It's a hated show, it. though. Like, it's not Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's ended on. It's very memeable. All I know is the memes and his nose is really long he and pointy. He's got a triangle. He looks, like spy. he looks like Spy versus Spy. Yeah, with a beak. Oh, yeah. Literally, when you were talking about Spy versus Spy, I was like, ha, ha, ha. So which one is that? Is that Phineas? That's Phineas. Phineas. Okay. He's the one more talkative than Ferb, and he has orange hair, and Ferb has green hair, and he's, like, more quiet, and he has a British accent. And they're okay. half-brothers. Anyways... Phineas and Ferb is an American animated musical comedy television series created by Dan Pavenmeyer and Jeff Swampy Marsh for Disney Channel on Disney XD. <laughs> Good. The series officially premiered on February 1st, 2008 and uh, ran until June 12th, 2015, which is like a long time. It, is it a had long four time. seasons and it has a bunch of like movies. It has like a Star Wars spoof movie. Um Sarah's just shown us a real <laughs> realistic drawing of them and that's disturbing. I'll never I'll never be sweet again. I wanted to look them up to make sure I was picturing like the yeah. correct characters as you described them. And yeah. Sarah just showed us disturbing artwork and stuff. So <laughs> there's talent mm. on the internet sometimes. Look at this. Um, Is this a fun fact you have? What? After ten years I realized that Phineas and first Yeah. Oh, sorry. And, no, well, it's not a fun fact, but Phineas... Finish the facts. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and say it. Yeah, after 10 years, I realized that Phineas and Ferb are shaped like the letters P and F. Yeah, because, like, when they when the, the thing, like, the title comes up, it's, like, Phineas, like, the P with his pointy Phineas nose. and then uh, do um, The show follows Phineas Flynn and his stepbrother, Ferb Fletcher, who are between 8 and 10 years old. On summer vacation, it counts. Every day, the boys embark <laughs> on some grand project. These are usually unrealistic given the protagonist's age, and some are downright physically impossible. A lot of the time there is a running spoof where they go, aren't you a little young to be, you know, parading zebras? Aren't you a little young to be building a time machine? And they're always like, yes, I am. And then the guy always answers, it's so good to see young kids doing things these days. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, and so all of these, like, gimmicks and things that are happening really annoy their older uh, sister, uh, Candace who frequently tries to reveal their shenanigans to their mom, 
uh, Linda Flynn Fletcher, and it just never works out because uh, of Perry the Platypus. <laughs> Whatever the B story is, he's like the secret spy who's trying to go stop uh, Doofenshmirtz. Doofenshmirtz. Uh, who's a mad scientist, and he's always like, Perry the Platypus, I have bought a thousand and one snakes, and I will take over the world with snakes. And then Perry's like, doesn't say anything, but he stops him. And then somehow the snakes gets rid of the weird thing that Phineas and Ferb were doing. And then Candace can't show their mom. And it's just this whole, like, running plot. Like, that's how it oh, works. Oh, so that's how the platypus fits in. He's so, he's my absolute favorite character on uh, on the show. He's so good. Perry the Platypus. Voiced by Dee Dee Baker, who voices, like, so yeah, many different, lo- yeah, so many different, like, like, Momo and Hoppa on Avatar. And he does all the clones from Clone Wars. Anyways, I can go on forever. Um, the series follows the standard plot system, running gags occurring every episode. Um, and the subplot, as I was saying, always features uh, Phineas and Ferb's pet platypus, Perry the Platypus, working as a spy. Haha, that's a throwback to our other episode. Named Agent P, who works for the OWCA, the organization without a cool acronym, to defeat the latest scheme <laughs> of Dr. Heinz Doofenshmitz, a mad science driven largely by the need to assert his evilness. Although he's not really that evil, he's actually got a heart or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, no, and so the, the, the two plots usually intersect at the end, erasing all the traces of the boys' project just before Candace can show it to their mother, usually leaving uh, her very frustrated. But that's, like, the plot of the show. PTSD about all this. I think that, like, (laughs) her mom is like, Candace is being crazy again. Although she does go, Candace hasn't called me yet today. I have to check in. It's usually when something good is happening to her. And she's like, wait, mom, don't come home. Nothing's (laughs) happening. Um, The two two developers worked uh, together previously on The Simpsons and uh, Rockwell's Modern Life. Um, The creators also give voices to uh, two of the B-plot characters, which is Dr. Doofenshmitz. And Major Monogram, which is the guy who always gives Perry his orders to go figure out what's happening. Um, Major Monogram is a good name. It's so good. He has a, he has two purple ends. It might coat. even be better than Blendin' Blendin'. And Spenza. <gasps> it's <laughs> definitely better than Spenza. Yes. Um, Phineas and Ferb was conceived after Povenmire sketched a triangle boy with Cran on a prototype for Phineas on, in a restaurant uh, on a napkin. And they developed the series concept together and pitched it to the network for 16 years before it was actually uh, selected and to run on Disney Channel. They felt very strongly about this strangely shaped human. (laughs) Yes. I did look up to see what the best uh, episodes of Phineas Ferb or like the most plot heavy episodes and they were like, you could skip five episodes and not miss anything because there's not really any congruent. Because it changes every day. It's yeah. not really congruent plot, but it is like always the same. Something crazy happens. They like built like a stadium in their backyard. They built a, like a beach in their backyard. They made like treehouse fighting machines. They like got a band back together. It's like all of this wacky really stuff, crazy. and there's always some kind of musical song in there. So Aww. it's it's very cute. It's it's for kids definitely, but like give it a chance. You might like it. It's wonderful. It's fun and easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems cute. That is cute. Mine's not cute. Uh-oh. Well, let's bring it down. <laughs> bring us back down. To uh, like Sarah, I had a hard time coming up with some summer ones that I wanted to talk about or that we hadn't talked about. So I actually went kind of with an out-of-the-box thing, and I was looking at my bookshelf and was like, wait, 
I think this one takes place sort of in summertime. <laughs> so um, that is the short story collection, The Illustrated Man by <gasps> Ray Bradbury. I have a copy of this. It's so good. Um, it's a 1951 uh, stor- short story collection of 18 stories by Mr. Bradbury. It was nominated for the International Fantasy Award, although critic reviews were mixed at the time it was published. Um, all but one of the stories had already been published in other things, but some were revised by Bradbury for the book. Um, it has led to a film in 1969 with three of the stories. I have not seen it. Uh, four of them were dramatic, dramatized for the radio series X-1. <gasps> that is a great radio series. I have old, never I love old-time radio. I haven't listened to it in years and years. I but when I was a kid, to... I used to listen to... Sorry, I cut you off. No, I'm intrigued. Um, but NPR used to play, like, from 9 to midnight on the weekends. It would just play, like, old, like, Gildersleeves and, like, Jack Benny and, like, X-1. And what was it that you said? Is that what No, it was X-1. Yeah. It was just like very Twilight Zone esque. Yeah, I used I'm gonna to have to so I'm gonna much seek that there. out. Mm-hmm. I know because I remember one time they said your name on the show and you like freaked out. Because I, I emailed NPR and I was like, please play the rest of these. I like them. Adventures by Morse was another yeah. one. Sorry. I'm no, I'm, I think it's cool. Love old time radio. So yeah, X minus one. I don't know which four, but. You know, we'll listen and we'll find out. Um, five of the stories were adapted for the TV series Ray Bradbury Theater. Um, there's been a BBC radio adaptation in, like, more modern radio. And <laughs> the one that I definitely didn't know about was, apparently, there is a rock opera called The Bradbury Tattoos, which oh, supposedly no. premiered in 2018 in Cincinnati. I say supposedly because it said upcoming, because the Wikipedia page for this book apparently hadn't been updated and so it said upcoming in 2018. So maybe that was a thing that occurred. Who knows? <laughs> um, knows? So the summary, it, so it is a short story collection, but it's kind of uh, brought together with the idea that the um, there's like a narrator meets this guy who's a former um, like carnival worker and he's covered in tattoos from like neck to toe. And uh, <laughs> so the guy like ends up like they ends up sharing um, a room to sleep. They're like both traveling, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, we'll go in on this like halfsies." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't think you're really gonna want to do that with me. Like, <laughs> people don't usually like to hang around me that long." He's like, "It's fine, whatever." And so he tells them that like when he sleeps, his tattoos come alive and tell a story. And the guy's just like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." But then he starts noticing like these lions moving on his like back or something and that's the first that story one. that was that crazy spooky. and so and like the whole like it'll come back occasionally with like him like turning over, over and he'll see another cloud mm-hmm. will come up and it's like this started to take shape and all this stuff and um in some of the versions there's like a a thing at the end of like you don't want to stay till the end because apparently like there's a tattoo that'll show you how you die oh, nice. and that's like and then there's another version where you see a backstory of the, of him like at the carnival and like why he hasn't worked there anymore so mm-hmm. sometimes it depends on what edition you get so anyways the reason i picked it for summer <laughs> um is that a, the narrator meets the illustrated man at the end of summer. So it's like very early September and it's really hot. And so um, you kind of like start with that like muggy, humid atmosphere mm-hmm. in the book. And then there's quite a few of them that takes place 
take place either in the summer or like in a tropical location. So there's one called the Rocket Man, which is about an astronaut, and then some of the characters um, end up having like an aversion to the sun, so they become like shut-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called The Last Night in the World, where they're sitting out on the porch in the summer discussing like what if this was the last night that we had? Like, what would we do? And they end up just being like, I think we would just spend time together and do what we're doing right now. Like, it's kind of like a rare, sweet one from them. (laughs) Um, There's one called The Fox in the Forest, where a couple in a dystopian future time travel to 1938 Mexico to escape their society. And so they're just, like, hanging out in the summer in Mexico and, like, also trying to avoid, like, people coming back in time to get them. Um, the first one I mentioned with the lions is the Velt, which is children playing an increasingly worrying virtual reality depicting an African Velt mm-hmm. with the lions that are, like, eating something in the distance, and <laughs> you find out what they're eating, and it's not great. That one's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And then um, one of my personal favorites from the book, which is The Long Rain, um, where astronauts are stranded on Venus search for sun domes to protect them from the never-ending rain. So oh. people that had, like, colonized Venus because it's always rain and, like, it's acid rain, they would build these sun domes to, like, that you could travel between. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was summer all the time, except for, like, they crash land, so they have to walk on foot. And they're just, like, in the rain for, like, days and days and days. And they can't take off their suits because it's, oh, like, fine, acid yeah. rain. So, like, the first sun dome they come to has, like, is, like, no longer an order and has a crack in it. And they get there and they can't use it. And they're just, like, going no. slowly crazier one by one until that. So those are all the summer ones. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to use this. And then the other reason I picked it is, like, I think this is the book I've read the most in my whole life. Like, I don't reread a lot of books, but I reread this a one as a books. kid a uh-huh. ton. Mm-hmm. And, like, some stories I read more than others. Um, but, yeah, this one was, like, really special to me. And it's, like, one of the first or a few books that I have that is kind of bent and the pages are yellowed because I've had it for so long and I've read it for so long because like I mean I'll buy books that are like yellowed pages from like bookstores but it wasn't like that when I got it (laughs) like it was you yellowed the pages I mean it's just I've had it like I've had it since I was a kid and I just kept reading it it was like Ooh, what am I? I only don't. I don't have that much time. And it was before the internet, so I'd like pick it up and like I'm gonna read this story again. So, um, <laughs> my cute. I have three other favorites: uh, Kaleidoscope. Um, they're all the space ones that have nothing to do with summer. Uh, Kaleidoscope, no particular night or morning, and the rocket. Um, the space ones. One of them is like for astronauts are like separated into space and they're talking to each other as they get further and further away knowing they're gonna die and they just like it's just like this really <gasps> existential you, like conversation you talk to us about that. i love that, that one, one. so it's much it's a lot um no particular night or morning is another one that's kind of a lot where he starts believing he's an astronaut in a space station that like anytime he leaves a room that the stuff isn't there anymore and he only believes in what he can see and he starts going a little bit crazy um and they're like worried because they're on a space station with him and they're like dude pull it together Um, and then the last one the rocket is like a guy saves up there's like if you have three thousand dollars you can send someone to the moon or to space and they save up the money and but they can't decide who will go because the family is worried that like 
whoever goes, the rest of the family will go to resent them. So he decides to take the money and build a, like a fake racket in his yard and makes it a virtual reality thing. And he'll bring Aww. the kids in there so they feel like they're going to Aww. space. And then, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. And then my last thing is Elton John's song, The Ra- um, Rocket Man, is based on a story called The Rocket Man from this book. Hey. So, huh. Fun the fact. Fact. The fact. I haven't book. Fact. It's... I love it so much. I think one or two of them are either in Martian Chronicles or very similar to it. Um, I loved Martian Chronicles. Yeah, I, I like Martian Chronicles a lot. I like this one even better. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's he always does it a good job of it, but like particularly in this one, it's like human psychology and like the warmth of human emotion versus like the coldness Horror. of technology mm-hmm. and like how those things don't necessarily work together sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. So there's my summer one. Summer adjacent. That reminds me. I gotta find my copy of it and put it on top of all of the things. Yes, and have all the copies. I have so many Bradbury books now of short stories. I have... <laughs> I just have that one. I think of all, like, the authors other than Stephen King, he is the one that I have the most books of. And they're just, like, piled up. And they're short. a lot short. of Neil Gaiman and a lot of Laura Hal Sanderson. I don't I know who that person to is. her when I was a kid. Who was that person? She wrote Speak. Speak. And oh, okay. okay. Twisted and... Chains and, yeah, and speak from. helped me. I knew who. Yeah. Anyway. She's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was summer. Summer. So, Sarah, what were your tales? Um, Mario Party. <laughs> Not quite a tale. And Once on this Island, which is definitely a tale. Definitely a it's tale. It's a tale within a tale. Mm-hmm. A tale-ception, if you will. Yeah. And mine was The Uninvited and Phineas and Ferb. And mine was the movie Moonrise Kingdom and the short story book The Illustrated Man. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think that's it for this week. Do we yeah. want to, oh, well, no, never mind. We don't know what order we're releasing these. No, we don't. I do want to say, we have, I think this one will be after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're doing a couple of recording today. We might do one that we'll put in between them. We'll a special see. fun one. A special a fun, fun one. You've already <laughs> probably heard it by this point. I mean, you don't have to go in order. It's not like we have spoilers for previous episodes, but. Uh, <laughs> Just like Phineas and Ferb, you can skip five and we'll still right. be here. Um, we might make the references. ones you like, leave the ones you don't. That's right. You like them all. <laughs> Sarah's making a scary face over there. Not me. Um, yeah. And a shout out, uh, whether whenever this is released or not, a congratulations to the wedding of our friends, Ryan yes. and Francis. Yes. Congratulations. It will either friends. be right before or right after. So yes. congratulations to our friends and listeners. Yes. Um, and yeah. Thank you for listening. Check us out on TN Tales at Twitter, TN Tales 1, um, Facebook, and Tales dash 1. Oh, on and Tumblr. E, and uh, we're going to try really hard to not be crazy. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.